Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alstead, here with Keith Myers. Keith, hey, it's a Tuesday. We had a Monday night game. We came out with a victory. Uh, pretty good day all in all. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Um, it's, it is a little weird, um, you know, recording this kind of close to when the game ended. We're less than 24 hours out, which means... Um, going back and doing my film study has been incomplete. Um, it was only made it back to halftime, yeah, um, doing my film study this you. week, but you, you know what? Uh, that's okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, like <laughs> last week we, uh, we had a Thursday night game and then we didn't record until Tuesday. So that was like extra time. It felt like forever, almost like we shouldn't even have talked about the game. And this week mm-hmm. it's like, woof, we're rushing in and, uh, well, that's good. I mean, we're always ready. So it's no big deal. Um, so we're going to talk about the victory against the Eagles. We're going to move forward and talk about the game coming up against the Giants at home. Uh, what all the, all that means. Uh, we had a couple of uh, games over the weekend that helped us out. Uh, ended up being uh, eight and three after this victory, and first place, sole sole first place in the NFC West, thanks to the Rams and the Cardinals. Mostly the Rams. Uh, they lost and. Um, they lost to the 49ers. To the 49ers. Who, that was actually a pretty decent game. And 49ers it, it look was. better I than mean, advertised now. They got a couple players back. Well, and, the the the, um, the Rams looked awful um, for most of the Goff game. I mean, Goff looked yeah. terrible. That interception. Why, why didn't to, that happen um, with, in our game? I don't get it. I don't know. Um, might have something to do with. Uh, 49er defense versus our defense at the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, uh, golf looked terrible that, that interception to Kinlaw, um, you know, a defensive lineman that went for a touchdown was just, it was a great play by, by him. You know, he was right there. It I mean, was, it was, but right I mean, it, but it was, it, it was a terrible, like quarterback. Can't well, I mean, sacked. that was just genuinely you know, awful. It happens. His arm got hit, whatever. You know, and then so. and then the Cardinals lost to New England. New England looked pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Cardinals looked bad in that game. You know, it's kind of interesting. Cardinals looked bad, and actually, the the New England looked okay, but um, Cam Newton just is. He has not been the same player he was before yeah. COVID. They're not throwing the ball he very good. Terrible. Yeah, he looked awful, and they still won. They still beat Arizona. Um, Arizona's offense is absolutely struggling. They're refusing to let uh, Kyler Murray run or do any of those things since he hurt his shoulder. And when he's not running and teams aren't having to respect um, his ability to run and they're actually just able to play standard defense against him, that offense is really struggling. Um, it's it's odd how much his running ability yeah. has um, uh, been kind of a catalyst for their offense. And, yeah, they're um, just a few players away. You know, when when we talked in the beginning of the the year, um, 
about their record and their possibility of being one of the of the three teams to come out of the West in the playoffs. And they were right there at, you know, nine wins, eight wins, 10 wins possibly, on, you know, on the very upside. And they're proving to be just not quite ready. A couple players away maybe on, on, uh, on offense and one on defense. And I think they'll be there next year. I really do. Um, the, the thing with them, though, is um, at this point, I mean, they've got a pretty heavy schedule ahead. They may not even make the playoffs. And then you've got the Rams yeah, who really looked like they week. were going to surge ahead. And all of a sudden they came back down to earth playing the 49ers. And they've got some tough games coming up. In fact, they're playing the Cardinals this this next week. So while at the same time, Seattle that, faces its easiest part of the schedule. Yep. Yeah, so that... that um that Rams uh, uh, Cardinals game this weekend feels like it, that's going to decide who, yeah. which if if only two teams make the playoffs out of the um, out of the NFC West, which I I still think all three. You know, Arizona beats the Rams. Well. And all of a sudden, the 49ers could sneak back into this thing. I know it's yeah, a long way bring, long way ahead, down. but Mullins is playing better than Garoppolo. Although Garoppolo has hinted that they may be uh, he may be available before the, the year ends, but we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah. And then uh, the only team ahead of uh, Seattle in the NFC right now is the New Orleans Saints. And again, I'm not terribly impressed with the Saints. Um, well, the Saints got a win um, without uh, Drew Brees this weekend, but they did so because. They played a um, Denver team with no quarterbacks, so <laughs> wide they called up a wide a wide yeah. receiver off the practice squad <laughs> to play quarterback. Um, it went about as well as that sentence um, suggests it would go. Um, and so, even though the uh, Saints played the Denver um, Broncos with a wide receiver at quarterback, had more yards in the first quarter than the Eagles had against the Seahawks. I'll give them that. That's not saying a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's not saying that much. Um, All right. So, um, but yeah. So that's so, the state of the, the NFC West right now and, um, and, and the NFC in general. We won't go through all the teams. You know, there's, there's still a lot of football to be played. The good news is, like I said, Seahawks face uh, their easiest schedule. We've got the Giants coming up, we've got the Jets, we've got the Washington Football Club. Uh, and then, and then a couple of games at the end there against the Rams and the, and the 49ers to end it. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how this thing kind of washes out. It's favorable for Seattle right now, but we got to take care of business. We did that. Yep. The Seahawks have a, have a, a game up on the Rams and two up on, um, Arizona and they have sig- the significantly easier schedule and, than both and of games them. against both those teams so. uh, to end it, you know, so they, they might come down to the end where we need to win maybe one of the two and um, we still take the division and look pretty decent in the NFC overall. And um, mm-hmm. so we'll see how it washes out. We did take care of business against the Eagles this, this weekend. Before we get to that, we just had one injury update, not really even an update, just kind of a Carlos Dunlap thing. Um, Carlos Dunlap injured his foot in this game, really kind of went out. Nobody kind of really knew I found out right after the game though that he'd gone out with some sort of injury and it was you know undisclosed as to how serious it was come to find out it's some sort of lower foot injury like like some similar to like Greg Olson had where it's a planter either tear or 
sprain or whatever you want to call it. You just don't know how long it's going to impact Dunlap. He had an MRI this morning. Today's Tuesday. We're recording this afternoon. Haven't heard a word since the MRI was done as to what the significance of that injury is. And um, so we just don't know uh, what we're going to be um, with or without Dunlap and how that would impact going forward. Dunlap, Dunlap's presence was the beginning of this resurgent Seahawk defense where they went from being historically bad to being competent. And More than in competent. this game, in this game, his injury and his leaving the game went from them being dominant to giving up yards and, and letting, uh, you know, the Eagles stick around in this one and, and keep it, you know, at least somewhat close, even though in the end, I mean, the, the game was not nearly as close as the score would suggest, and it should have been a blowout, and it was there for a couple minutes until a Hail Mary, but um, <clears throat> the Eagles definitely were able to move the ball better after yeah. Dunlop's in, Dunlap's Yeah, injury. yes, but at that point, we were kind of in a prevent situation. I mean, you know, before uh, that, they had nine points. Um, before that, Hail Mary with 20, 30 seconds left on the clock, they scored a two-point conversion. I mean, that's why it was closer. I mean, you know, so, uh, and, and we only gave up like 300 total yards. Um, and, and then the first quarter, I mean, they had negative yards. I mean, they really did a good job in this game, the defense. The offense is the, is the one that I've got questions about, um, and we'll get into all that as well. Um, I want to get your opinion on that two-point conversion at the end they, of the game. They, the Seahawks just kind of laid down. I was a little surprised about that. I'm not even talking about that. Why do you go for two there? Well, let's see. So what was the final score, 17 to 23? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it, became, it becomes a six-point lead. Why do you go for maybe two Maybe he was there? a little confused because uh, in the prior drive when they, when they turned the ball over, um, they probably would have gone for two. And maybe he just had that stuck in his head. I don't know. Because the, here's the weird part about that is um, there was a lot of money bet on that game. It's Monday Night Football. There's always a lot of money bet on that game. And it was a six and a half wow. point I, Yeah, I didn't think about that. By that, you know, so the Seahawks mm-hmm. were favored by six and a half. If they kick the extra point there, which is what makes sense in every potential actual game scenario. Unless they were going for the win, man. <laughs> just going for the win. Like but they, you, they need to get why the, do you the do onside do again, do, obviously. But. but why do you go, why do you do it there? Because if you miss it right there, then I don't know. It, just, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but if they, they kick the extra point, which literally every game scenario, say you kick the extra point there um, and get within one score. The only thing that would make sense is uh, if you had a play st- designer, you want to test it, you, wanted to, you know, try to work it but out. Why would you put it on? Why would you put it yeah, on film? Know for other teams. I don't know. So, you, so I, I do know, went for I do two know that in there, order were, to there was one guy the out spread. there that bet $500,000 on the Seahawks covering that spread at six and a half and um, lost, lost it all right because on of, that situation. On that two point conversion. And I am not saying that has anything to do with it, but honestly, the fact that it was, they went for two. So they got, they covered the spread when there was no reason to other than that. It's that's weird and kind of sketch. Um, so I don't know. Like it, that was, yeah, you know, I'm not a, I'm up. not a betting guy and I don't really follow those things very closely. So that is an interesting angle for sure. 
Um, and it, it definitely impacts. It impacted somebody out there for absolutely it, it, lots yeah. of people, I'm sure. The Vegas made a lot of money um, because of that two-point conversion. Yeah. Because 90% of the money was on Seattle. Wow. And if they if they kick the extra point there, well, um, you know, Vegas has to pay yeah, a lot that, of money. Yeah, that is an interesting thing. But, you know, it, you just can't break it all down. Now, as far as the overall arching game is concerned, you can't just break that down into that one play. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into point differential and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, you can certainly highlight that one situation. But, you know, Seattle, this should have been a blowout. You know, it wouldn't even have been a question it should have been. At, at that point. Yeah. Um, and I thought the lack of aggressiveness on the offense to close the game out was kind of alarming to me. I mean, something's going mm-hmm. on because in the first, um, in the in the first part of the the, the year, uh, Seattle was putting up tons of points, tons of yards. Russell Wilson was having an MVP year, and since that Arizona game. Things have really slid. I mean, the last four games have just been quite a bit different for the offense and the play calling. The play calling has been and the, different. And Russell Wilson, the performance and the offensive line, you know, and the protection. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on right now that that is not optimal for this offense. You know, the offensive line is dealing with a bunch of injuries. Um, and, you know, I mean... Uh, Cedric Abu, he was out there playing right tackle and for the most part struggling. Um, I mean, he was battling. You could tell the effort level was there, but he was struggling. That's a really tough uh, um, matchup for him. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the Seahawks would have been better served by having uh, Shell out there. Oh, absolutely. He's quicker. I mean, the pro football focus grade on Abu was 36.1, the lowest on the team by far. And the, one of the mm-hmm. lowest of the year. So. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it, it wasn't pretty, um, but I, I, and I think that has something to do with it. And then you look at all the, the injuries that they've had at guard and center and, and trying to make sense of that and make it work. And, um, you know, Mike Lupati's out there playing and I think the team would rather him be on the sideline, um, with Simmons as the, um, the left guard right now. And, uh, Damian Lewis at the other side and Posick in the middle, but that's not what's I'm not happening. so sure. Um, I mean, you look at the last game with um, with uh, Upati out over there on the left side, man, they had a great game. He's probably the best offensive lineman in that game last week where he had a, a, a almost a 90-grade overall, 92-something, I think, and then pass protection, he was slightly better than he was at run blocking, and, and they did both very effectively, 175 yards overall. This week, they just did not. So I don't know if they prefer to have him over there. I do believe that he's injury-prone and, and and may play with some nicked-up injuries that causes performance issues. But other than that, I think if he's healthy, they want him out there. Yeah, I just don't know if he's healthy. Um, he sh- certainly didn't look it here. Um, well, he was he limping struggled. around I mean, on, the, on the sideline there in the fourth quarter. So, um, but Yeah, he really struggled. But they in in early in the year... Um, yeah, he'd start and come in the fourth quarter, he wouldn't play or, you know, he'd, he'd sit out for, for, uh, two or three possessions at the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth, um, and then come back in for the, you know, down like the last little bit. Um, and I think the team would rather do that with him because he is injury prone and his performance drops off considerably, uh, at the end of games when he gets, uh, uh, dinged up and, 
they just can't afford to do that right now with uh, all the guards or yeah, with all the guards and centers injured. Uh, they just don't have the bodies to uh, play him less. He's got to go the full distance and it's, it hasn't led to good things. So I did want to get back so, to this thing about the play calling in Russell Wilson. So the first seven games, Russell Wilson had a uh, 120.8 rating, 9.3 yards per attempt. Last four games, 92.3 rating and 7.19 yards per attempt. So his yards per attempt has gone down more than two yards per attempt and his rating has gone down almost 30 points in the play calling. You know, it's kind of a reflection of that as well. They're not taking as many deep shots. They're not, they don't have as much time. He's getting uh, rushed pretty heavily and having to um, throw uh, with somebody in his face or he's having to, to scramble a little bit, timings off, et cetera. The, the offense just looks out of sync. Uh, one thing I did note, um, however, in this game is Russell Wilson did complete seven of seven on third down for 90 yards in this game. So, he did have some efficiency there, 21, or excuse me, 22 of 31, 230 yards and a touchdown with 102.9 uh, rating overall. Um, and, and, and that relationship with, with Metcalf in this game was, was really mm -hmm. special. But other than that, the offense really did struggle. Carson had eight carries at 41 yards, 5.1 average in that touchdown that was, that was amazing. But other than that, those two, the, the, the Chris Carson for 41 yards and Medcalf for 177 yards, that was the offense. And everything else was just kind of really scattered and, and not very productive um, overall. And it was concerning. Yeah. I mean, the, the Eagles un, are, are legit, pretty decent defense. You put that, you put oh, that defense are. with a team that has a pretty, pretty stellar offense, and that team is, is definitely very competitive. Um, yeah, that's, that was why, you know, we walked into this year thinking the Eagles were going to be a playoff team, that they were going to win, um, the NFC East and they were going to be a good team because you knew the defense was going to be good and you didn't expect Carson Wentz to regress to being just terrible. Um, and if he, if he was back at the place he was, um, you know, before his last injury, like that's pretty, that's a decent football yeah. team. Um, but they're getting so little from their quarterback position that it's well, hurting it's everywhere else. Line. That offensive line well, was really bad, dude. Oh, it was. And, but he's also been bad. Like, there were times he no, no, had no, 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 time no and just missed. He just could not complete a pass. Um, but he's not, you know, he's, he's got some legs to him and he has been more athletic in the past before some injuries have kind of taken a toll. Um, but, um, he's not without skill, but that offensive mm -hmm. line has really got him skittish and indecisive. And it, it's a very difficult situation yep. there. And they're not scheming, uh, for him to be successful there. They, they haven't really changed anything. So they keep looking for the same plays and they're just not available. And well, in the, the defense, um, the defense, despite the offense being bad and turning the ball over a lot, the defense has still been good. And I think that says a lot about the talent on defense. So uh, the Seahawks moved the ball pretty well in this game, put up 23 points. I would have liked to see them put up significantly more because they left a lot of points that on the field. Did. But to, to put up 23 points against a good defensive team um, isn't bad. Uh, the fact that they cost themselves 
uh, anywhere from, you know, seven to 21 points with uh, nonsense is... Um, let's talk about that nonsense. So the, the, let's talk so, about the two fourth down attempts that, that, that we flailed on. I thought they were one mm-hmm. of the, the, the worst play calls. Well, both of them were kind of horrendously executed. Uh, but the, but the other the the first one there at the goal line with the um, the David Moore you know end around thing I just thought was bizarre. I mean, you got Chris Carson, yeah, you got and, Russell Wilson, you got first and goal at the six, you got second and goal at the three or two and a half, and then you can't get in. And you've got you got Carson that can you know pound the ball and and is one of the hardest guys to tackle in the league. And then you've got. Um, you know, Wilson and his scrambling ability and throwing ability. And you've got guys like Metcalf and, and more that are tall and Cody Parkinson's out there now. And so they could totally go, you know, some sort of, you know, play design for any of those guys. And instead they try to do an end around, but not even a real end around, uh, where it's like a, a shovel pass end around where more is running in front of, um, of Wilson and then it's supposed to be a trick play where he then pulls out and goes to the other direction. It looks like they're running a, a read option and nobody was fooled. Nobody. It was just a, like, well, and Metcalf missed his block and cute. they got underneath that and blew up the play. And that's that. I mean, if he get if Metcalf, just if Metcalf, Metcalf makes that block, it wasn't just, they, they probably guys. score. There were two guys. Yeah, there. but they were more outside. They, they were think, hitting him the moment. The moment he got the ball, he was getting like he was dealing with people. Oh, it was um, poor. It was just, I mean, it was it was, it was, was a terrible. poor play call in a and and poorly executed. So the 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 one two punch of of not being able to execute that cost us points. I mean, we were right there. We should have scored at the very least. You kick a field goal and you just take the points. Um, and we did. We walked away with nothing there. And then the second time mm-hmm. it was you know we were further out 30, 37, 40 yard line something like that. And and didn't make it. I don't. I don't mind the team. I don't going mind forward the in that team situation. going forward in that situation either. That's especially the, perf- the way our that's defense the perfect has situation been to go for it. That's the perfect situation to go for it. You're just outside of field goal range. If you punt it, you likely only get 20 yards of field position because it's hard to you know pin them deep from there and not have it go into the end zone. Um, go for it. It, it. To me, that that's the perfect situation to do it. And they just screwed yeah. it up. Well, they had to call uh, timeout. They, you know, it's it's weird. <laughs> and this, you know, this is a professional football team um, coached by professionals, led by one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And and the lack of execution on these things, the lack of um, acuity as far as knowing the time, knowing what you're going to run in that situation, already having these plays queued up, you know, in, in this situation, we're going to run this play. And this is, you know, this is why, and they can't get the play call in. And then Russell Wilson's clamoring around and it just looks completely dysfunctional on one of the best offenses in the NFL and against a, a, an inferior opponent. You can't do that. I mean, you've got to be able to pound these guys and put these guys out, you know, by the first or second series in the third quarter, the, the game should be over. And, and, you know, in theory, it, it, it probably was, but, it ended up being way closer than it, it should have been. And and you can point yeah. back directly to those two play calls as being, you know, an impact as far as how many points we were able to put on the board ultimately. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't mind the, I don't mind the second one. I think it was the, I don't mind them going the right. forward on the, on the first one, as long as the play call is correct. Yeah. I mean that, that play call was bad because I mean, think about it. You're it's fourth and goal at the three and you're going to run an end yeah, around. That's weird. 
uh, how about you actually just we run don't even run that very you know? well in the open field at the 50 half the yeah. time you know it's we get um, a lot of plays that we that we call have been getting blown up lately and i don't <laughs> i don't it almost seems like the defense kind of knows what we're doing um, and I thought about that out well, loud. Well, I don't understand other. why you run that to David Moore anyway. Why do you, especially if, you're gonna, if, if he's you're injured, round, quote unquote, you've got, you've got Tyler Lockett. Well, let I me mean, ask you this. He, let's he's talk, on your let's, team. Let's talk him. about David Moore. Like what's going on with David Moore? Like, is he injured or like what's happening in the return game? Like there was a time Keith where he received the ball and on a punt and he had 20 yards in front of him. And he stood like a statue with his feet glued to the ground, examining the field as players are rushing towards him, closing in. And then he scampers around for like a three-yard gain. He did that a couple different times back there. And I thought, and then they put DJ Reed in there and it improved. But what is going yeah. on there with David Moore? I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. He also, if you look back at um, early in the year when the team's offense was really clicking, uh, David Moore had a big role in, in all of that. And I think a lot of it was that teams were focusing so heavy on, um, you know, on, on Metcalf and, and Lockett that you, you just can you can only defend so many guys. Um, and it was like, Hey, you know, David Moore is like having this breakout year and doing really well. And then suddenly you have, uh, he's just not showing up on game day that much. And, the offense is struggling more. And I, I think whatever regression we're seeing with him is part of what's going on with the offense. Now, I don't know if, if it's the offensive regression causing his numbers to go down or the other way around. Um, I think they're probably both related. Uh, but, I mean, he had a touchdown in this one, so I don't want to say, oh, he just didn't show up at all. But he just hasn't been performing at the same level. He so let me, let me throw this little fun stat at you. David Moore set an NFL record for the fewest yards received in a game with a re- with a receiving touchdown um, included at negative six. So he had negative six yards. He managed to score a touchdown on however many re- receptions, mm-hmm. you know, four receptions or whatever for negative six yards. And then you had the returning <laughs> kind of stuff going on that's less than optimal and I'm not sure exactly what you do with David Moore there, you know, and, and Swain, it's not like he didn't play. He didn't get any targets. So Swain was in there for 20 snaps, didn't get any targets at all. So he just kind of ran mm-hmm. through the play call uh, plays and, and wasn't targeted. So, um, well the defense, you, you got to give the defense credit. That's, that is a, a good defense. It's a yeah. talented defense. They've got Graham up front, matched up against the Bowie and that's not a good matchup for Seattle. Um, it's one of their strengths against one of Seattle's weaknesses and it caused Seattle a lot of problems. And it's, you have like give credit to the defense because they've earned it. Like they, they played, they played well enough in this game. Um, you know, they did their part. The Seahawks defense also did their part and then it came down. So it came down to which offense and Seattle's got the better offense of the two. And that's why Seattle won. But uh, the Eagles defense slowed uh, Seattle down and they played well, which is why that happened. It's not just, Oh, Seattle stopped themselves. Well, let's talk about Seattle's defense. You know, talk about a unit that's actually playing really well. And you know, it was going to be a long night when Carson Wentz on their very first drive of the evening, their best play was a hard count. You know, they, they ended up, uh, Seattle, um, 
ended the first quarter with, with zero first downs and negative four yards, uh, or, or, you know, the mm-hmm. Eagles did. And Seattle defense forced five straight, three and outs to start the game, led 14 to nothing, looked like it was going to be a blowout. Uh, they continued to play pretty well throughout the throughout the game. I mean, obviously, they gave up that little thing at the end, but overall, they, they allowed well, they also, 300 they yards. Up, they started up giving a lot more yards uh, in the well, second half. they allowed 301 really... total yards of offense, 225 yards passing. Yeah. And a okay, considerable amount the, of that was math, in garbage time and 76 yards do rushing, the math which is there, great. Though, 300, 300 and some total yards, and they had, what was it, six at halftime? So you're talking about th- basically 300 yards of offense and a half to a bad offensive team. Yeah, but Carson Wentz completed only two passes thrown to targets beyond the line of scrimmage. Um, in the in the first half, he was two of ten, five of seven behind the line. I'm not talking about the I first know. half though. I'm talking about the second half when they gave up 300 yards of offense to a bad offense. Seattle team. had two key fourth down stops in the fourth quarter. Keith, KJ Wright passed, uh, you know, with the with the pass batted down on fourth down, and Quandre Diggs with the interception on fourth down. I mean, you got to give Seattle credit here. I mean, Grant, I think you put this the whole onus of the of the bad play, quote unquote, in this game on the offense. The defense to me played showed up, played well uh throughout. They showed up and played well in the first half. And they played well the last, you know, other than the Hail Mary play, they played well um in you know for the last they couple had of possessions six or to get seven those two sacks and pressure throughout. And I thought it was one of the most consistent plays and of the entire game. All of that came in the first half. Not all. No, that, that's no. my problem. Is the the Eagles in the second half were able to drive down the field? They got field goals, but they drove the length of the field over and over again. And I think that the score they didn't have that many yards, that. Keith. I, they had three hundred yards in the half. Yeah, that's a six hundred yard but game. But nonetheless, if you, I mean, it, you got to look at the game as a whole. I mean, we put them out. They were not in this game. They had no chance of winning this game. And and I just think that you got to give Seattle credit for that. I mean, they took them out of the game. They played well enough to, uh, to beat this team in they a played, half. They played they played well in the first half. They did not play well in the second half. And I don't think that it is. And honest I honestly blame the offense for to that. To say that they, you blame, blame the, offense the offense for the defense giving yeah, up Yeah, because the offense yards. couldn't sustain any drives and and help that defense out a little bit, keep them off the because, field. Because um, in the second half, right, uh, start the of the third quarter, bit. it would have been a completely plays, different thing if we would have scored those fourteen points. We probably should have scored twelve plays. Forty-eight this thing would have yards. Been Thirty-seven to. And a field this thing goal. would have been 35. Seven plays, 25 yards, turnover on This thing on would downs. have been 35 points to 17, and you wouldn't have had a single Seven complaint. plays, 23 yards, interception. Seven plays, uh, 12 yards because of a bunch of penalties, turnover on downs. Four plays, 58 yards. I mean, they were able to move empty the ball. yards. Empty. 15 plays, 70 yards, and a touchdown. You take out the you take out the um, Hail Mary. They scored nine points in this game. Come on. They still put up 300 yards and, nine and a half. Points. Plus the Hail Mary. Come on. Plus, plus they put up 300 yards and a half. <laughs> Let's not say they, it was great. It was great in the first Let's half. Let's talk about players. And in the, in the second half, they struggled. 
They gave up 300 yards against a bad offensive team and a quarterback that is he's incredibly inaccurate and can't and struggles to complete any passes. They still gave up 300 yards. I'm not worried about any it. quarterback. You put any quarterback yeah, in the you league, have to not look named at it Carson in the Wentz in there. The and this, no, I, I think you have to evaluate what the, actually happened. In the happened. context of the situation, we were up big and, and they went into a, a zone scheme defense that, that gave up yardage in the middle and, and we didn't give anything really over the top and, that's just the way it they goes. gave up a they gave up a ton of yardage and uh, and only were able to keep the score down because Carson Wentz is terrible. Yeah, this isn't any different than at the end of the Forty Nine. It's not game like we Nick lost, man. We won this and game. put up a ton we won this of yards, game and we won this game pretty convincingly. And it would have been more convincing had we made the fourth down conversion to score. Uh, in the in the first quarter and the fourth uh, down conversion on inside their territory uh, a little bit later, um, it would have just changed completely the complexity of this game. So I I I'm not going to be that hard on the defense. I thought they looked improved. I thought the pass rush was amazing. I thought Jamal Adams probably had one of his best games. You know, Puna Ford had one of his best games. Rasheem Green, Carlos Dunlap, LJ Collier all played very well. Quandre Diggs again played well. DK Metcalf had his best yardage game as a pro. Um, overall, I thought the team played excellent. And I'm not going to squat, you know, micro analyze how many yards they gave up. They were empty yards. They didn't score a ton of points. Seattle had its best scoring defense, defensive game of the year. And allowing 17 points, and and yardage wise, uh, one of the best yardage uh, games given up uh, in the year. I mean, you can't complain just because it all came in two quarters. I mean, that's just the nature of football. No, it's not. This is a team that played really good for a half, and then honestly, they did what they needed to do to let the Eagles back into it in the second half, and gave up 300 yards of offense in a half. Gave up, uh, what is it, um, eight, no, um, 11 points, or four, no, it's 14 points in the second half. Um, and they did so against a terrible offensive yeah, they team. they took the gas off. There's no question. You know, and they did the and same thing on offense. They took the gas off. I was unimpressed and, with the way the that they played that in the second half of this game. Our offense was just as You want me to putrid. be impressed with the defense don't let terrible offenses move the ball up and down on you um, the way the Eagles did. Like you, are, I love what they did in the first half. In the second half, they were mediocre at best. And I, I think that because it's not you're like, oh, well, they only gave up so many points against a terrible team. They only gave up so many points. They still gave up all those yards to a terrible team. That's the yeah. context that I they, think we need. They are to terrible keep in, mind. in in a sense. But they've played really well against teams um, throughout throughout the year. And if you take a look at all their games, who they've played, the scores of those games, this is a very similar type game that they've played other teams too. Their defense is disruptive, causes issues, and their offense is is not Bad. is not completely horrible statistically. They are not. It's- it's Statistically, overall in the NFL, they're a, they're a mediocre team. They're not the bottom of the barrel offense. 
No, they're not the Jets. Um, but they're still yeah, bad. I'll, I'll totally give you that. And, they and, don't have and, any weapons. And they're, I mean, they, they're, we shut the cor- down their running game. They were one-dimensional, and we yeah. pass-rushed them and, and got to Wentz. You mentioned it, it mostly came in the first half. I, I mean, they had, I think, four sacks there in the were, first half and a couple in the second half. We still got pressure and I hits mean, once, in the second half. Once Dunlop, once Dunlap got hurt. Yeah, but that was in the third quarter, right? Their pass rush kind of disappeared. Right? That's when, yeah, that's when the pass rush right. disappeared. Um, and then I think they had one more sack. Yeah, but after they were that, certainly only a, rushing three and four, blitz, four guys so. at that point. They weren't blitzing or anything like that. So, speaking of blitzing, Jamal Adams, uh, two quarterback hits, a tackle for loss, nine tackles overall, a sack versus the Eagles, six and a half sacks on the year. Having him back is a big deal. In the combination with Dunlap, um, that that combo mm-hmm. really has made a huge difference for the defense. I just absolutely, I just don't has. know what's going who, on what with was Dunlap the, later. You know, it's really going to last year. Us. Who led the Seahawks in sacks? And how many? It was, was Rasheem Green at four. Rasheem Green at four. Yeah. So uh, Adams missed four games to injury. He's already got six and a half. I know. <laughs> You want to tell me that's not he's going to end the season that's with double he's going to end the season with double digit sacks and mm-hmm. um and Dunlap is going to get close. I mean if he, if if Dunlap is is you know going to be back in if he's yeah. healthy. Um yeah, if if this if this foot thing's not a not a big deal, he's going to get he's probably going to get close. And he moved in almost all of that in a Seahawks uniform because he did essentially nothing. So speaking of Jamal Adams, so. so before the season started, we were trying to figure out how Seattle would use him. Uh, we had mentioned that the Jets had used him kind of all over the place. And I saw a stat come up on the screen on Monday Night Football, and I took a snapshot of it because I thought it was really interesting. Uh, Seattle has used him in very similar um, that the Jets have used him, including blitzing and all that kind of stuff. And we just didn't know if that would happen because it's out of character for Seattle to do that. But they've used him at safety, 154 snaps. Outside linebacker, I found this very interesting, 153 snaps. This is coming into the Monday Night game. Uh, slot corner, 84 snaps. Middle linebacker, 24 snaps. Outside cornerback, 13 snaps. So between the safety and the outside linebacker, which is where I think that he should he should play almost full-time as outside linebacker, um, I, I thought that that was, um, was an interesting insight to, to the way that they use him uh, in this scheme. Um, and, and I think that points to some of the weirdness that we were seeing early on in this um, in this season where they were having a hard time communicating and stuff is because he was just getting moved around all over the place. Yeah. And I, I do think that um, you could see some of what, what the Seahawks were doing. Cause it's, it's not just that, Oh, he's the safety out there. And because of the personnel and the motion and the formation, he ends up at corner. Um, no, they lined him up out there. Um, and when they did so, they would bring in other guys. I mean, you saw, um, even in the opening game of the season, you saw uh, Leno Hill get snaps because they are they needed right. They had the way they moved people around, and Blair was the um, the nickel corner, and they wanted to use Adams in a different way. So they would line up him up at outside linebacker. They would actually bring Leno Hill in to be an extra safety, and they had technically four safeties on the field with Adams being assigned the outside linebacker role. It's not just a what he ended up doing on the play. Like there, this is conscious. This is a conscious effort. This is the way the personnel groups are. You see um, 
Ryan Neal, his backup, gets snaps in every game, not because Adams goes out, but because Adams is playing a different position and they need a strong safety. So they have no problem bringing in another strong safety to let Adams go be an outside linebacker right. for a And I noticed plays. Jordan, Jordan Brooks snaps. I've got him. Hold on just a sec. Uh, Jordan Brooks was at... Trying to figure this out. Uh, t- he only took 21 snaps, 30% um, out there at strong side linebacker. And mm-hmm. They played a lot of yeah. nickel in yeah. this game. And, in part because they got up. Yeah. And once they, they got up by a bunch, it, there was no need to worry about Sanders or Anonymous. So let's talk so, about some more players. Um, so Bobby Wagner, third player since the uh, 2000 to record nine straight 100 tackle seasons uh, with Fletcher... Uh, London Fletcher and Keith Brooking uh, being the, uh, the other guy. Pro Football Focus's highest graded run defender in the NFL at 90.8 overall. So he's having another great season. Uh, this game, though, he only had three tackles, which I found kind of interesting. Which I found really interesting, too. That's one um, of his lowest marks that's not, that I've seen. That's probably the lowest mark of his career. Um, because... Bobby Wagner is a tackling machine, especially against the run. But that's part of it, is how many running plays did the Eagles call? Well, and Jamal Adams and up with nine tackles, which is, in, is yep. interesting. So Wagner has, as he's aged, um, he is still the best run defender in the NFL. He's no longer the elite pass defender uh, in coverage he used to be. Uh, he just he's lost a step, right? I mean, at one point he was arguably the fastest linebacker in the NFL, and he's not that anymore. He's still he had awesome. a nice coverage I'm not against saying that he's not. down there in the, in the middle. He did yeah. downfield made a made a great play on that, um, but it's still it's not it's not the strength it used to be for him. Um, and so, if the other teams are throwing the ball a lot and they aren't throwing it into the middle on crossing routes where he can make tackles. Um, he's not going to get as many tackles because if teams want to run the ball, he's going to get a lot well, of he's, tackles. He's over and 100 that's, now, so that's what happened. You know, that's yep. good for him. Nine straight seasons. Uh, Puna Ford, three quarterback hits and a sack. This guy continues to play with a penetrating defensive tackle mentality, um, and they obviously they're doing that with him on purpose. Uh, stretching yeah. him out a little bit more this year than, than than in the past. What's the difference that you see? They're playing him at they're playing him at three tech uh, with Snacks Harrison beside him, um, and they did that a little I bit. They right were playing Jerron Reed at um, defensive band a couple times. Yeah, and they had Collier at, at uh, in a defensive tackle at times too. Um, they they were moving the guys around, and I think that has something to do with it. You end up with um, Puna Ford in the past has always been the one tech. His job is to eat blocks, um, take on two guys and, you know, clog up that middle. And this year, especially since, well, I say since Snacks Harrison, um, you know, joined them, but even before that, because with uh, Monet as being the third one, those two guys are, that's what they also, what they do, right? They eat blocks, they take up space in the middle. And if you've got multiple guys like that on the inside, somebody has to, actually try and penetrate and, and be disruptive. And they're letting Puna Ford do that because the other two guys um, aren't that. And he is stepping up and doing, well, he is doing what 
uh, Jerron Reed did two years ago yeah. when he had 10 Boone and a half is always sacks in the backfield, too. He good. blows stuff up, tackles for loss, et cetera. He's having a great season. Great season. I mean, he's he got to be in the great you know, Pro Bowl conversation somewhere. Uh, Rasheem Green came back. Um, I, he, he had a few snaps the week prior, but this week I thought he had a real nice present, had a, a real nice timely sack in the backfield. I mm-hmm. almost thought it was Carlos Dunlap at first, and then it was Rasheem Green. I was like, wow, that guy, that guy seriously got to the quarterback. Um, Carlos Dunlap had, uh, had a half a sack in this game, uh, four sacks in three games overall. Uh, in the, in the weeks prior to Dunlap's arrival, 12 sacks in seven games before Dunlap, 19 sacks in four games since obviously the guy along with Adams, I think is making a huge difference in it. If you lose that guy for any time, it's going to be brutal. Um, so the Seahawks went from being last in the NFL, uh, in terms of sacks, um, they traded for Dunlap. And since they traded for Dunlap in the week since then, they have more sacks than any NFL yeah. team. And who knows where they're going to be ranked after this week? I mean, it's yet another six to that. It's uh, the total is yeah. starting to. I'm just saying, like they they were the worst team before him. They've been the best team at getting sacks since him. Right. That is, and we've, there, we've won two in a row. There. And yeah, we're, <laughs> we seem to be on a roll. We're putting it together on the defensive side. Now, if the offense can come back to the first five or six mm-hmm. games, um, that rate of efficiency, this team is going to be hard to stop. And we need to figure that out on offense. Uh, let's talk about offensive players a little bit. DK Metcalf. Um, oh, man. He's over a thousand yards. He is now the NFL's leading receiver. Yeah. Um, first thousand yard receiver for the Seahawks since I believe Bobby Ingram. also the fastest player in franchise history to get to a uh, thousand yards in 11 games um, which is remarkable remarkable yeah. yeah I mean you look at Joey Galloway um, when he was this the, the guy you've got guys like Jackson when he was uh, in Holmgren's pass first offense and yeah Daryl Jackson you know, of course, Largent, but... 13 games in 2004 to get to a thousand yards. And then prior to that, it was, uh, it was large, I think in 89 or something mm-hmm. like that, 13 games. So DK Metcalf's just a, a specimen though. It's interesting because it, it's so much fun to, to watch this guy evolve and to look at how the NFL is, is looking at him. Um, and, and, and other fans and stuff. I went out on just to, to see, and some of the reaction to the Jim Swartz comment about, Megatron and uh, he's not quite there yet um, uh, to DK before the game. And DK said, I play with a chip on my shoulder. That really pissed me off. And uh, some of the other comments that were out there in, in the blogosphere today were just hilarious. I mean, other fans are just like, this dude is Terminator. Like he's, he's not only Terminator, he plays like one, you know, and he's, fast and (laughs) everyone's just envious of this guy and can't believe he got passed on in the draft and and um it looks like we've got the the next greatest wide receiver in a seahawks uniform in in dk medcap yep it's just crazy the the one the one thing he needs to work on right now is catching the ball the drops are killing me well he's already had three touchdowns this year he had that brilliant uh you know throw and catch um 
on the outside, that like outside fade um, on the left side, where Slay was all and he just over him, for the ball. perfect just coverage, muscled that and ball out. You, and you just can't cover that. You can't cover that level of greatness. And then on like two plays later, ball hits him in the hands in the end zone, and he dropped it. And it's like, oh come on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and usually it's over the middle in traffic and stuff. He just loses track of the ball or loses focus just for a second, and that's. You know, and hopefully in time those things improve. If not, he's still all pro level wide receiver. You just realize though that he's just got that little extra more. I mean, he's he's leaving stuff out on the field to the point where you just know that if he completed those things, and we don't want him to be perfect, yeah. but if he just had another couple catches a game that were that were those really key moment catches and, and touchdowns and stuff, this guy would just be off the charts. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, if you if if he cuts the, the the drops that he has in half, um, I mean he's already the the league's leading receiver, um, and all of that. But he cut you cut the drops in half, and you're talking Randy Moss yeah. historic production. Absolutely, and he's he might get there and, anyway. And you add the touchdown yeah, drops, you know, and he's got nine now. He could have twelve. You add some of the yardage, you could have probably another seventy some odd yards. Uh, or not 70, probably a couple hundred yards in addition to what he's already got in 10, 11 games. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. All right, Russell Wilson, best career win percentage for a quarterback in prime time. Continues to build on that. Uh, 0.776 overall, 29.8-1. Better now than Steve Young, Ken Stabler, and Joe Montana. What I found interesting about all those names, those are all West Coast guys. Um Steve Young and Joe Montana for the 49ers. Ken Stabler, the snake from the Oakland Raiders back in the day in the 70s. And now Russell Wilson for the Seahawks. Uh, that's so, um, on, well, it's not, it's Monday night and Sunday night. So primetime non-Thursday games, because Thursdays are screwy um, with a short week and everything. But Sunday and Monday um, of West Coast teams playing in Eastern time zone. The... West Coast team has won 14 in a row. Wow. Uh, that is not just a statistical anomaly. Um, what you end up seeing is that uh, the NFL loves their East Coast teams because of the big markets mm-hmm. and their population density and all of that. Um, you end up getting a lot of mediocre NFC East teams like Dallas and the Giants. And Washington. Yeah. Philly. Um hosting Monday night football games when they're not that good. And the teams they end up playing against are the teams that are the best of the best, like Seattle. Um, And yeah. And so you end up with a lot of games that are for scheduling purposes and in the uh, attempt to get ratings to be really good West coast teams against middling East coast teams on Monday night football. Um, and yeah, it helps Wilson build up a record like that. It also helps, you know, that 14 and an O um, uh, record on Monday night football for a West coast team. So um, it, it's one of those things that you, we see all the time and it used to bug me so much as a, uh, as a fan of a West coast team, like oh, they just don't get the respect of the East coast teams. And they, they, they never get to host to these games. They always have to travel for them. It doesn't bother me as much anymore because Traveling for them doesn't 
make it worse. It actually, they're going to go yeah. get a win on prime time. Um, and so, but it used to really bother me and I just have kind of gotten Well, since Seattle's really started winning since in the Pete Carroll era, I think things have equaled out, you know, overall. Um, so another stat for Wilson uh, joins Peyton Manning as the second quarterback ever with 3,000 passing yards in each of his first nine seasons. So he's continuing to build up the winningest uh, record overall uh, for any quarterback in the first nine seasons, but he has now reached 3,000 yards passing in the first nine seasons of uh, each of those seasons. Only the second quarterback at this ever. point. At this point, do we? These things are going to keep start these, saying these records that we're going to announce periodically. They're just going to keep stacking up. Like, at what point do we start just saying future Hall of Famer well, Russell yeah. Wilson? Absolutely, because er, the fact that he's the most wins by age blank of or in year blank of quarterback. Um, he's always been the leader of that. Um, you know, all the, the primetime winning percentage, just overall winning percentage, most seasons with um, yards, most seasons with an, a passer rating touchdowns. over pick, pick a random yeah. number. 30, um, highest, over 30 touchdowns in a season. I think it's his fourth or fifth season in a row or something like that. Yeah, I was gonna say, and you look at at uh, touchdown interception ratio. He's always amongst the best all time quarterback rating. Pick, right there. Pick a stat, any of them. He's in the top two so or three ever. When, let me ask you this: So when he came out, one of his very first interviews that he gave after being drafted by the Seattle Seahawks asked him about where he saw himself, what he wanted to do, what he wanted to be, and he said that he wanted to be considered to be one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game and he's maintained that sort of line as one of his kind of go-to lines as being great and, and so forth throughout his tenure as a quarterback for the Seahawks and now he's actually realizing some of that and it just must be amazing for him to realize that he's fulfilled those sorts of goals for himself you know I mean yeah I mean I just what would he have to do at this point not to make it to the hall? Uh, of probably fame? nothing. I think that if he left the game after this year and walked away, he would be in the hall of fame. Because think about what he's done before he was drafted. If you back were, in the day too, nine seasons as a quarterback is it would have yeah. would have been it for most guys. But if if you think about look when he was drafted, everyone was like he's too short, he's too short. Since he's been drafted, look at how many short quarterbacks have gotten drafted. Yeah, right. Kyler Murray. Let's just go with that. Who's um, Watson, you know Kyler Murray, number one overall cetera, pick? Right? And there's just been a been a bunch of of short quarterbacks that go. You look at what he did um, as a scrambler and as a running quarterback, and as the team embraced he's his fourth, ability to he's extend the plays, leading rushing quarterback of all time and he's and he's That's, still got he's still got a he's probably go. got another at least six years where he can run legit so I, you say that and i'm like ooh, who are the top three steve young uh mike steve young mike vick and um Pupper? no who was who was the guy Newton. that who was the guy in um yeah, Cam Newton. And who was the guy in... Or it could have been Steve who McNair. Who was the guy in, for the, that played for the Eagles? Um, just just up until like 10 years ago. He was their main guy. Oh, you know geez. who I'm talking about, right? Um, 
I do. I know Randall exactly. Cunningham? I is it Randall Cunningham? No. No, that was that was years before. Um, anyway, I can't remember right off the top of my head right now. But yeah, I mean, he's up there. He's and when you add that to his passing acumen, uh, mm-hmm. he's got to be considered one of the top five quarterbacks of all time right now. Well, and you you can look at thing everything from fourth quarter comebacks to or game winning drives. Um, you can look at. Um, well, I mean, he's a Super Bowl winner. He's been in another Super Bowl that he probably should have won. He's hopefully get to a few more. Um, and I think if he does that, I mean, there's just no question, right? There's no question right now, but there's just mm-hmm. no question that you can't put it like a two or three or four time Super Bowl guy in, into the Hall of Fame. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how it, how this thing all finishes out with Pete Carroll and that marriage together. Um, and this current group of players that they're kind of building together, um, it'll be interesting to see if they can get there and, and get it done this year because this is this is definitely a opportunity uh, right now in this moment that you want to take advantage of uh, for him um, because you know these things just don't come along. I mean, we've seen it. They're, Seattle's been good and consistent for a long time, but you only get to that pinnacle of the Super Bowl like two, three, four times, maybe if you're lucky. Even if you're Russell Wilson, you know what I mean? It's like, that's a very difficult place to get to. Um, so Jason Myers, uh, 24th straight field goal, second longest streak in franchise history. He continues to be very impressive. He's still not even considered to be a Pro Bowl type kicker. Like, just because the opportunities haven't been there for, for him uh, this year. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't early on. He only, he, we were, they were five games in before he hit his well, third. Well, that's because we, we scored uh, touchdowns in the red zone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but since then, um, they've kicked more field goals and he's made them. And that 61 yarder is going to take, he's going to get noticed for that. Um, that was phenomenal. But oddly, with um, Jason Myers, perfect from field goals, including a 61 yarder, he's missed two extra points. Yeah, but we score a lot, you know, so there's a lot of opportunity <laughs> there. Um, I mean, it, it, but it, this is this is a guy living up to his last name, right? Um, he makes the hard ones look easy, and he makes the easy ones look hard. So, so uh, one more player that I—that's <laughs> a Myers trade. <laughs> if there ever was one. <laughs> one more player I wanted to talk about before we um, exit this segment and move on to the Giants game. Uh, Cedric Abuahe played right tackle. Um, Brandon Shell is out. It really showed in this game. Pro Football Focus graded thirty six point yep. one um, for Cedric Abuahe, and he just looked really bad the whole time out there. And it, it kind of made Damian Lewis look bad. The interior of the line just kind of tried to compensate, I think, a little bit for that guy out there and just didn't work. Everything was a little discombobulated. Russell Wilson only got sacked a couple times, but the run blocking really wasn't there for anybody other than Chris Carson. And Chris Carson did it by himself. And then um, the, the rest of the, the yards per carry was pathetic, you know, for the most part in this game. Even Carlos Hyde only averaged like one and a half yards per carry. You know, it was horrible. And then the pass blocking was just atrocious most of the game. So, but I got to give the Eagles credit. They have got a great, um, they've got a great line. In fact, they led the league before this game Mm -hmm. in uh, sack percentage and and so forth. So they get it done on that defensive line. All right. So that was a win. Now we move on. Seattle's eight and three, first in the NFC West. We face the first in the NFC East. Four and seven New York Giants come to Lumen Field in Seattle. 
Um, the Giants, the Giants started zero and five this year. I mean, they were like going to be the downtrodden team in the NFC East, along with the Jets. Like they were going to battle, like who was going to get the first pick in the NFL draft. Joe Judge, their head coach, uh, prior to that, he'd spent a long time with the New England Patriots, so he's he's got a good background there. Offensive coordinator Jason Garrett. They had their quarterback, their fourth overall pick in the 2019 draft, Daniel Jones. They had Saquon Barkley. Ended up Saquon Barkley tore his ACL in week two. Daniel Jones has been struggling a little bit. Their offensive line protections have been questionable, even Bad. though they've got a really nice player that they, they picked up in the draft um, in Andrew Thomas, overall fourth, fourth pick mm-hmm. overall in the 2020 draft. Um, but they ended up picking wins up against the Washington football club twice, the Eagles and the Bengals. So it's not a murderer's row of teams by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and they ended up in, with a three and one record in the month of November. So all of a sudden this team's feeling so, pretty good about itself, even though they've beaten some quite frankly, inferior kind of competition, but their next four games is the test for those guys. They got the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Browns, and the Ravens, all playoff uh, caliber teams. And it's 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 an uphill battle for them, and they're on the road. And and Daniel Jones is going to probably be out this week with a strained hamstring. They're going to look to a new quarterback that Cole that we McCoy. are vaguely familiar with here in, in the Northwest. It's hard to... It's hard to call him a new quarterback, isn't he? Like seventy-four years old. <laughs> he won. He hasn't won a start in the NFL since two thousand fourteen. I kid you not. And he only has, believe this or not, Cole McCoy has been around, kicked around a long time. He's got some injuries, history, all that kind of stuff. He's seven and twenty-one overall win-loss record in the NFL, um, and and now obviously mostly as a as a backup guy. Um, so I don't feel. <laughs> I'm not. I don't feel sorry for this team at all. But they're not in a really good position to continue their three and one win streak. They've won three in a row um, into this game. Yeah, um, you know this is, I believe, the third game in a row where the Seahawks have faced a division winner or division wow. leader. That's crazy. We're two and zero oh against those teams. Okay, yeah, because it was Arizona. Yeah. Um, who at the time led the division, but they haven't won since. They're now in third. Uh, and then the Eagles and Giants were have both they share a lead in the same division, right? Last, yep. and the, but they're both yep. bad. So it, it sounds really <laughs> impressive to say that they a third straight game against a um, division leader. But when two of them are the Eagles and the Giants, it's just a, not as well. Impressive. The interesting thing about the Giants is six of the last seven games for the Giants have decided, been decided by three or less points. Um, that which makes this team slightly scary. You know, more so with Daniel Jones. He's not in there. Colt McCoy, who knows what we're going to get. We've seen that in the past, though. He's wildly erratic and gets rattled by pressure, all that kind of stuff. So I don't. Oh, yeah. The Seahawks are yeah, going to come Yeah, no doubt. You know, and so, but what do you do with that? Six of the last seven games decided by three points or less. So they are playing their their teams. Um, who, but equal. who are they playing? I'd have to go back out. I can't remember. What division do yeah, they play? I know. The worst division in football, and then you throw they face in the a fact pretty easy schedule because they're facing their their toughest schedule right now. Yeah, they they've um, they've played a lot of division games already, mm-hmm. which helps them look good because that division's awful. You know, you play against teams like like the Bengals who are Dallas. bad, um, Washington twice. Yeah, I mean, it, 
it's Jets. you end up. This isn't. Um, this isn't a good football team. It's not yeah, a good football team. These guys are and as, as bad thing. or worse than the Eagles. Than the Eagles. But what they are is well coached. Um, and whether people want to say this or not, they don't know uh, Joe Judge and, and what's going on there. If you watch the games, those guys play mm-hmm. hard. They play um, disciplined football. They play their hard. Their defense is they, actually really pretty good. Their defense is pretty good. Um, they're, they're really disciplined. And they just don't have a lot of talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball um, without Saquon and now without um, their quarterback. They, they they just don't have a lot of talent. Well, they've got Evan Ingram and, at tight end. Golden Tate, wide receiver. He's got 28 receptions, 306 yards, no touchdowns. So he's not their biggest biggest guy. Their their biggest guy that they throw to now is is Darius Slayton, six one speedster guy. Thirty eight receptions, five hundred and eighty four yards, fifteen point four average, yeah, three touchdowns. So he's he kind of gets down the field. There's nothing about there's nothing about Colt McCoy that says throw True. deep. Underneath guys, though, guys he's got, got Ingram arm. and he's and he's got Gallman. So Wayne Gallman's their running back. Got, he, they like to run the ball. And he's got golden and he's got Golden Tate who they yeah. can hit on a they short can. pass and then have him have thing have him make people yeah. miss once he'll he hits hit, the ball. They'll hit the tight end. They'll hit the running back out of the backfield. Um, and, and that's their offense. They're not going to throw the ball. They're going to dink and dunk. Colt McCoy is not going to sit back there and try to launch the ball. A, he doesn't have the arm. I to, want him yeah, to try. He doesn't have the I arm. I want him never to try. Had the arm. <laughs> never had the arm. He's got bad knees. And... Um, yep. Noodle arm and bad knees. It's, it's it not a like great, great. It's not a great camera, but he's a pro, so he knows <laughs> he knows what he's supposed to be doing out there. You know, so if they can dink and dunk, that's their best option is is to try to keep Russell Wilson off the field, take some of the clock down, and try to score against this an improving Seattle Seahawks defense against their offensive line, which is questionable at best. So we'll see how that goes. On their defensive side, they've got Logan Ryan at corner, free safety. He's really nice. Blake Martinez at linebacker. He's a really decent player. Jabril Peppers at safety. Leonard Williams at defensive end. Still pretty decent at a kind of a five-tech-based defensive end. 36 tackles, six sacks this year. Dexter Lawrence. Dalvin Tomlinson's in there as kind of a uh, run-stuffing defensive tackle. That's it for them. That's it. That's all they got. They're not a big name defense. Um, no, but it's but it's a good discipline. It is. Defense. And but um, against the guy, you know, at some point Seattle's got to get back to being Russell Wilson of of the first five or six games. And if if he shows yeah. up, this game's over. You know, because they can't play from yeah, behind. They're they can't play from behind. They they're not going to be able to keep up with Seattle. Um, Seattle's offense, even if Russell only plays the way he has over the last four games, like they're still not going to keep up with Seattle. Um, Seattle's just got more yeah, talent, and their defense is showing up. Even without Dunlap so, in this game, I think that they can get some pass rush. I think that's improved now. Well, at having Adams back and and able to come off the edge or come up the middle, and and they'll blitz uh, Wagner if they need to, and um, yeah, they'll find ways to to get some pressure. And you're talking about a uh, a guy who was never particularly mobile and now he's got two bad knees and it's his statue and um, they're going to, they're going to get after him. He has his, he's not going to beat you with his feet. He's got to throw the ball. Uh, he's got to get it out. So you play everyone up tight, 
and uh, in press and you, you blitz him hard. And it, yeah. trust me, or, it'll work. Yeah, even, um, even rushing I, I four, don't I don't even him. know if you have to blitz him terribly. I think pressure, just pressure with him is, is, is enough. You don't have to necessarily sack him to affect Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy is going to get rattled, A, because he hasn't played for a while, and B, because he's not good at pressure. Evaluating pressure and and diagnosing it and getting and checking down and so forth are not his, not his things. You know, he he just never has been an NFL caliber guy. Um, I think what was he in the first a first round guy at at the time? Like we're talking a long time ago, right? No, he what? was he was thought of as one, but then he oh, dropped. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. That's later. Right. Yeah, interesting. I just I see this as being one of those games where Seattle finally pulls it all together on offense and scores thirty, you know, thirty plus points again, and and the defense shuts these guys down. The, the, these guys aren't mm-hmm. a scoring high scoring offense anyway, and so it's probably going to be thirty five twenty twenty something like that. Yep, I do think that um, people didn't know Judge's name, um, the head coach when he got hired and so everyone just assumed that he's a nobody, but there have been special teams coaches. If they can get the locker room, which is the reason why they're not hired is it's harder, hard for them to, to get the locker room and, and they tend to keep it and they tend to be really good. Um, and Harbaugh in, in Baltimore is, is a great example. He was a special teams coach, um, before becoming a head coach. And, they're just they they're used to speaking to the entire team. They are meticulously organized. It's their job. They have to manage whole rosters because of running special teams. There, I would like to see more teams go the special teams coach route when hiring. I, it it'll it works better than people think. And Judge has got these guys playing hard. They're playing disciplined. They're just not yeah. They good. need more talent. He, they have a talent deficit all ta- over the place. Yeah, I mean, you you give you give the way they're playing as hard as they're playing and as disciplined as they're playing. If they had real talent at some more positions, they'd be a good team. They just don't have the talent, and that's not his fault. He's just the coach. He's not the GM. So, um, in case you can't tell, I'm I've been a fan of the work he's done this year. I think he's done a, a fantastic job with with a team that sh- really should be in the top two or three picks. And they and they may end up getting there <laughs> because uh, they've got murderers row coming up here. They also might win their division because the division. Well, that is hard to predict. I mean, with the Seahawks, Cardinals, Browns, Ravens, they're going to lose those four games. You know, yeah. so they're um, going to be four and eleven by the time they're done with that. And I and if that's going to get you a division, hats off. Because <laughs> It's just who else in that division is going to win is going to win enough. I mean, you're looking at a division. I think it's going to end up being Washington. Be... Not completely honest with you. I think Washington's going to emerge. F- I think at five. Yeah, but they're the wins. better team right now. I think they're the better coach team. They're the better quarterback team, and I think in the end that makes a difference. Yeah, I would have said it was the Giants um, until you know they lost their quarterback. And now that it's Colt McCoy, I'm like, I don't know. I thought it was going to be Dallas until um, they're all equally uh, equally inept. I mean, really, they are. Oh God, they're just awful. These are all right. What's your prediction? Let's get out of here. Oh, I'm going to go like 31-13. Nice. I really don't think they they're going to. So if we do 13 points allowed, that'll be the third or the fourth week in a row 
um, that our point total allowed has dropped to the season best mark. That would be that would be nice. I'd like to see that. I want to see them keep the opposing team under 300 yards of total offense. I would like them to put um, away teams that and, and do, not play down to their level. Okay, now now you're just asking for like miracles. <laughs> it's got to happen one of these weeks, right? One of these months. Um, yeah, we'll see. So how are we doing on predictions? We, we didn't do very well this last game. We, we both predicted a no. loss against the Eagles when we first started out the we, year. Okay, so if you go back, yeah, if you go back preseason, we thought the Eagles were going to be better than, than they have been. We thought that their deep, we knew the defense was going to be good, and it has been. Um, it's been better than I think it is, it looks statistically, because the, um, the offense has been so bad. Uh, but we really did not expect Carson Wentz to regress like that. So we, you and I both thought they were going to be a nine or 10 win team and um, win that division. And we both had it as a loss. Uh, no, um, it was a win. Um, but overall, um, where were we at? Do you have that? Well, um, I don't have the, the season total. I mean, we're eight and three. I think that I was real close. One, two, three, four, five, six. Eight, yeah. So I at this point I had them predicted to be eight, and they are at eight. But I had I had a different, I think I had different losses seven. in there, and then I still had them at had twelve them and seven. four at the end because I do have them. I had them losing at the Eagles and then losing the Rams, to to get to twelve and four. So the 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 Rams thing is is a game that's out there. It's probably the most important remaining game, um, and that'll be that'll be uh, December twenty seventh week 16 so um okay so after this game we've got the jets at seahawks we don't have to travel again for a little while and then we we go back east and face the washington football team for the last remaining uh uh, east coast game and then uh rams at seahawks and seahawks at 49ers which is currently scheduled to be played down the road from me here in arizona in glendale um yeah that's you notice that the um the county has has said that the 49ers are no longer allowed to that's gotta uh, be play so games hard. at their field because it's getting too many people together and the COVID yeah. rate in there is 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 too high. So they are not allowing so they're basically the they're basically to gonna be in training camp because they can't even go back to Santa Clara County because once they go back to Santa Clara County they have to quarantine for 14 days. Mm-hmm. So they, they literally are yep. kicked out of their own home. So they are the um, the Glendale 49ers. Which is really next, hard. For the, for really the next hard. month. It's, yeah. it's awful. Um, I feel bad for them. I mean, that's they're the league's most injured team, and now they don't even have a, a stadium or, 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 or a headquarters. Or be able to be or, with their families and stuff. You know, it's just, that's that's Yeah, weird. I mean, it's, and, and especially this time of year at the holidays. Like it's that's just, a big sacrifice. The... The 49ers have it rough this year. Let's just, um, yeah. Yeah. Any little empathy that you can have for the 49ers, uh, this would be the time to pull it out. It's easy to have empathy for them because they're bad. Although they did beat, and they beat the Rams for us. They They, pulled out a pretty major upset and beat the Rams. I tell you what, and I I watched some of that game, Keith. I'm telling you right now, the 49ers are improving 
and they're improving at they're the right time and they're very Warren's. well coached. In fact, one could argue they're probably one of the best coached teams in the NFL. I kid you not. Yeah. Um, and Shanahan's uh, done a good it, job And there. they're going to be scary by the time this is all said and done. I'm just going to say it right now. If they're in contention at all at the end, um, that game with the Seahawks at 49ers at the end of the year on January 3rd could have implications. Probably more so for the 49ers than the Seahawks. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Yeah. So last time you got us out of here, I'll do it this time. How about that? Sounds good to me. So find Keith on Twitter, at MyersNFL. I'm at NW Seahawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook on Twitter. SeahawksPlaybook.com has all of the shows on our own website where you can go and listen to anything you want. And find us on your favorite podcast app so that you get us in your feed every week. And uh, you can also find this on YouTube where you can watch Bill and Keith talk in person uh, on a recording. Uh, if you're if you're into that well, sort of thing. If you're into that thing. I mean, <laughs> watching Bill talk on the recording is, is pretty nice. Being forced to, to be subjected to me is, is um, a little less nice. But it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. All right. Here we go. <laughs> So until next uh, time, Keith, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.